So it's great, to, really great to, to be with you all today. It's been, um, in a way, it's, it feels like it's been a little while since I've had a, had a chance to, to preach, to speak. It's, it's probably not been that long, but I know having been on annual leave for a couple of weeks, it's been a little bit strange not being able to be with you all. I know we were back last week um, as well, but it's, uh, it's, I'm really excited about what God has got for us. Um, and so you know, it kind of felt like you know, we just kind of launched this, uh, this month of prayer that we're really excited to be going into, uh, and then I'm off on, on leave for the first couple of weeks of it. But even though I've not necessarily been, been seen in those weeks, it's been great to be a part of what God's already been doing here in the teaching that's already been bought uh, on the Sundays. Um, but then also thinking about this pod, this podcast, I don't know if you've listened to it, it's brilliant, it's well worth your time. I think it's going to be such a helpful, not, not just a resource, but a helpful, uh, a real blessing for us as we consider how we grow in prayer individually, but corporately as well, uh, and thinking about how we can help one another within that. I'm probably going to come back actually and draw out some of the things from the podcast already, so I won't say anything more about that. But then we've also had these uh, focuses and themes of the week as well uh, that we've been working through. So we've been teaching into prayer, but then we've also been looking at, let's put this into practice and let's actually be praying together. So it's been great. Again, while maybe I've not been been around as much to still be able to very much be a part of that and I thought Pete did a great job in 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 kind of introducing this month of prayer to us and touching on fasting I think he just really helpful foundations that he laid there Uh, and then to have um, heard Steve Dunn from Beacon Church to have him to be able to come and be a part of it as well I thought was wonderful when we were kind of having these initial conversations around a month of prayer. I know Mike mentioned it. This is something that Beacon Church do themselves. I was chatting with Steve and Steve was sharing with me about what he, what he shared around justice and how, uh, you know, uh, uh, God is a God of justice. And as his people, we're to seek and pursue justice and the role of prayer within that. When I heard him talking about it, I just thought this is, this is great. So the fact that he was able to come and share it himself, I was so pleased. Uh, and I, I know I've heard from a number of people just how helpful in particular they found that just a really different perspective and different angle to take on prayer. So um, that's been excellent. And this morning I'm going to be speaking on, I'm looking to encourage us to pray for the nation. Okay, so that's going to be our focus and theme for this week, a call to pray for the nation. And the way I'm going to do that, I'm going to spend a little bit of time in the Old Testament And then we're going to spend a little bit of time in the New Testament. And while it it won't work in bullet points this way, I'm going to we're going to be thinking about the why, the who and the what. Okay, so we're going to be trying to cover all of those things. Why we pray for the nation, who we're to pray for, what can we pray? So we're going to uh, go into the Old Testament to begin with. We're going to again all all this time. We're looking to lay foundations. We're looking to hear God's voice. Uh, We're not just picking these things out of the air and saying this is what we should do we're saying this is what we see in scripture and we want to give ourselves to what we see in scripture so we're going to be in Jeremiah 29 and we're going to be reading from verse 4 okay so you might want to find your way there if you've got a bible uh, near to you but just to set the context at this time we've got uh, God's people are in they're in exile from Jerusalem they now find themselves in Babylon so they're in a foreign nation under a different rule Uh, Not what they would have been expecting, definitely not what they would have uh, wanted or hoped for, but this is the situation in which they find themselves in. So 
And we're going to read from verse four, just down to verse seven. Okay, so it's not many verses here, but let's see uh, what Jeremiah has to say. This is Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. OK, so as I say, we've got uh, God's people here. They are they're, they're in exile. They're not in the place where they uh, were. They've been moved. Uh, they're under a different rule. But what we see here, even though they they might have felt it was like this, but it's not. God hadn't abandoned them in this place. God hadn't forgotten them. He hadn't forgotten his promises to them. He hadn't forgotten his purposes for them. Okay, if we jump down a few verses later, I'm trying to see uh, where we are in verse 10, it actually says that, that it will be a period of 70 years and then God would bring them home. So he's not forgotten about them. He's not forgotten his promises to them but within that and within the situation in which they find themselves and within the place in which they now find themselves they are not to lose sight of God's promises for them that lay ahead okay he's promised that he will return them home but they're also not to miss what God had for them as they waited or as they stayed in this new city there was something for them to do they weren't there to hide away they weren't there to keep themselves to themselves. They weren't to try and find some way of escaping and, and, and getting themselves back home. That was far from what God had for them. You see, far from keeping themselves to themselves, God actually says that they are to establish themselves in the place where God has sent them, in the place where God has called them to be. They're to be fruitful and multiply. We get probably getting echoes there of what kind of Genesis right at the start of God's call for humanity is to be fruitful and to multiply and he's saying it again here this is what I want you to do in this new place they're not to be closed off or or indifferent to the city they're not to kind of keep the city to arm's length rather they are to seek and pursue the welfare of the place where God had sent them that is God's heart for his people that is God's purpose for his people at that time and in that place don't hide yourself away. Don't think that I've forgotten you. Fix your eyes on what is to come. But all the while you're there, establish yourself in that place and seek the welfare of the place where I have called you to be for this time. And when we're talking about welfare, the word that's used, the Hebrew word for welfare is shalom. We may have heard the word shalom. It might be a familiar one to us. But shalom kind of really encompasses all aspects of peace and plenty so that is what the people are meant to be seeking for the city everything around peace and plenty really another way we could think of it is about the call is to be bringing the blessing of God to that place if we jump back to Genesis 12 you don't need to do it I'll, I'll read it for us in Genesis 12 where God calls Abraham who will later become Abraham he says it says that now the Lord said to Abraham go from your country 
and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him, him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So that is God's intention for his people. God's people mediate God's blessing wherever they go. God's people mediate God's blessing wherever they go. Another way we can think of that is that God's people are to be good news to the world. They're to be good news to all people. And what we're seeing here in Jeremiah is this, this, this word of God, this call of God, this command of God to the people is this. You are, to be, you are to mediate my blessing. You are to bring my blessing to the place where I have called you. You are to seek, you are to hope for, you are to work for the health and safety, the prosperity and freedom of the city. You are to seek and hope for and work for the city's success. And you kind of think in that place, how, try and, I think it's sometimes helpful, often helpful when we're reading scripture is to, to put ourselves in, in, in the context and think about how we would relate to what's going on and do with what's going on. And you think you've been uprooted from your home and you've been forced into somewhere new. And yet God is saying to you, actually, you are to be rooting for this city. You are to be seeking its success. You are to be working towards its success. And I couldn't, I was trying to think of how to put this and I couldn't think of it another way. But actually what we see is there's this amazing consequence for God's people themselves when they do this. Because God says to them, actually, it's in the city's welfare that you will find your welfare. That in the success of the city, that in peace and plenty come into the city, that is where you will find that for yourselves also. So when the city experiences health, when the city experiences safety, when the city experiences peace and freedom, you will share in it also. It's not divorced, that the, the kind of the, the welfare of God's people is not divorced from the place where God has sent you. Okay, God's people have a God-given purpose and part to play in the welfare of the places that he has called us to. Okay, I'm just gonna say that again. God's people have a God-given purpose and part to play in the welfare of the places where he has called us to. There's many ways in which we can do that. There would have been many ways in which uh, the people at this time in Babylon would have been working for the success and for the welfare of the city. But there's one way that is mentioned specifically. There is one way that God lays out for his people. Specifically, he says, you are to pray for them. You are to pray on behalf of the people. You are to pray on behalf of the people who wouldn't think to pray to God for themselves. You're to pray on behalf of the people who don't even know the God that you know. You're to pray on behalf of the people who maybe you don't always think deserve, would, would deserve uh, the blessing of God. But they are called to pray for the people on their behalf. Ask for great and good things to happen. For the people and the places where God has you. Ask for God's kingdom to come. Ask for the people to encounter the power and the glory of God. There's so much more that we can ask, but we have to come in prayer 
for the people and the places where God has called us to. I think the fact that it's really the one thing that is specifically detailed really reveals what God's heart is. God's saying, I need you to be those that pray on behalf of the people. Now, remember, uh, we, we have to remember the context of where this was. This was written to this was written to a certain people at a certain time. They were in exile in Babylon, taken from their home and they're kind of being forced to live under under a different rule. And this is what God is saying to them. But actually, there is much in here that I believe is is relevant, not just relevant for us, but we need to take hold of as well, because I think the call is there for us as well. You see, in 1 Peter, if we jump now, we're going to jump to the New Testament uh, in 1 Peter. We actually did a series on 1 Peter. I can't remember how long ago it was, but we called that series Exiles. I don't know if you remember that. We called it Exiles because throughout that letter, right at the start of that letter, it is addressed to the exiles or to the sojourners, those that are passing through. But this time, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. That God's people now, that God's church, the church that has just been birthed and, and established, uh, we're to consider ourselves as exiles, okay, as those that don't, those that are, are in a place but don't belong to that place spiritually. Now, in John 17, um, right at the start of of lockdown when we first moved online we, we worked through some of the chapters in John I don't know if you if you remember that and we spent some time in John chapter 17 and this is what Jesus prayed for his disciples this is what Jesus prays for us in John 17 13 it says this is um, Jesus praying to the father uh, on, uh, just before he's about to be crucified he says but now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Here's the thing. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth so for those who are in Christ Jesus as Mike so helpfully last week on Easter Sunday Mike just uh, really helped us to, to consider and and focus on the resurrection of Jesus and what that means for for us who have uh, who have believed on Jesus who have put our faith in Jesus Jesus is now saying when you're born again when your old sinful nature has died and you're born again by the spirit into relationship with Jesus, you, you belong to a different kingdom, but you are not of this world, but you, we still live here. There is a purpose for us within that. Jesus' heart is that we would remain here and that it, there is a purpose and a reason for that. There are things that he has in store for us to do. The Apostle Paul in, in Philippians chapter 3, he says this, he says that our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. So when we believe on Christ, where we belong and who we belong to, something has changed, permanently changed and significantly changed. Our citizenship is now in heaven. We have a different king. 
God the Father, the Creator God, is now our King. And as citizens of heaven, we now find ourselves living with God's promise of what lies ahead, of the hope that we have of eternity with God, but also with the purpose for the here and now for the place where God has sent us. So if we're thinking of, if we're looking at parallels maybe between what was going on in Jeremiah and where we now find ourselves, we're like they were, we're living with, with God's promise of what lies ahead, but with purpose for here and now for the place. I'm going to jump to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses from there and just unpack a little bit here. 1 Timothy 2. This is what Paul was writing uh, to citizens of heaven. The, uh, the church, citizens of heaven, living in Ephesus, okay? So they were living in, in a city within a nation, but they were they're citizens of heaven. And at this point, really, Paul's going to lay out uh, some, some details, some specifics of what gospel living looks like. This is what it looks like to live for Jesus. And this is what he says in 1 Timothy 2. He says, first of all then, so first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of god our savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge to come to knowledge of the truth don't know about you but when i was reading that uh, I see some, some real parallels and similarities to what we read about in Jeremiah in terms of God's heart. And we see that really prayer is very much at the heart of it. How are you to relate to the city where you are? How are you to relate to the nation where God has sent you? Prayer is right at the very heart of God's purposes for his people. How does Paul start here? First of all, before I say anything else, before I give you any more specifics or direction about what gospel living looks like, first of all, you need to pray. Prayer has primacy. It is of first importance. And I think we sometimes have to reflect on what our lives look like individually, but corporately, and to think, actually, does prayer always have that place of primacy? Or does it sometimes come somewhere else down the line? But we see here and we see in, in Jeremiah that prayer is, is the that's that is the first of all, the first thing to give ourselves to. You see, when we pray, we are seeking God's will first. We are recognizing our dependence upon him. We are entrusting people to him. We and, and I think the use of, of Paul's language here, he says, I urge that you pray. This isn't passive. This isn't a. It would be great if you could do this. You, that, if, if it kind of, I don't know about you, but urge is, is one of those words. It, 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 you can kind of get an idea of what it is just by the sound of it. It feels like it's just, oh, I'm urging. It's just coming out. You've got to do this. I'm urging you to do this. Prayer has to be first. You know, we're going to think in a little while about what we can pray, different areas that we can be praying for in terms of praying for our nation. And, and as we, we think about some of these things and look at these different areas, we would all have different passions, different opportunities to seek the welfare 
of our nation within these different these different ideas. We'll have different spheres of influence, different places where God has got us with different opportunities. But there is one thing that is common to all of us. And the one thing that we can all do, the one thing that is common to all of us is prayer. Mike Reeves, he, he's, I love his stuff. And he, he wrote this wonderful little book on prayer that we actually gave out to, to you in church. It's a little yellow book. Uh, and, and in there, he speaks about how Jesus as the first prayer, how Jesus has always been in relationship with God, enjoying fellowship and communion and conversation with God. And then the, one of the amazing, uh, one of the amazing blessings of being found in Christ is that, uh, and Mike Reeves puts it like this, he says that prayer is learning to enjoy what Jesus has always enjoyed. It's one of my favorite things I've ever heard on prayer. I just think it's wonderful. Prayer is learning to enjoy what Jesus has always enjoyed. You see, when we come into relationship with God through Jesus, we get to enjoy God in the way that Jesus does through prayer. A way of relating to God, a way of conversing with God has opened up to us, been given to us by Jesus. And that is true for each and every single one of us. We'll all have different passions. We'll all have different spheres of influences and places of impact, but we can all pray and we should all pray. See, for Jesus, prayer had primacy, not as a not as a formula. It's not if you do this first and this will follow on and this will happen, but actually as an outworking of relationship. And that's what it is. When Paul is saying, first of all, prayer has to come first. It's not a magic formula that if you get things in the right order, then everything will work out. No, it's an outworking of the relationship that we have with God the Father. How we relate to him, but also how we relate to the world around us. How we relate to our neighbours, how we relate to our nation. And then Paul, he speaks about, there's this list here, isn't it? Supplication, prayer, intercession, thanksgiving. And we're not going to get too caught up in terms of what each of those things mean. Supplication means asking. Prayer is fairly general in terms of conversing, conversations with God. Intercession is doing something on behalf of someone else so we can pray on behalf of others. Thanksgiving is what it sounds like, giving thanks for things. But the point that Paul is making here is not that is not to focus so much on all the different types. What he's saying here is the focus is on all sorts of prayers for all sorts of people. And that is what we are called to, all sorts of prayer for all sorts of people. Because Paul says we're to offer these for all people. We are to look for opportunities in all places and all situations. We're to cast the net. If you looked at prayer as like a net, we're to cast the prayer net wide and we're to cast it far. It's very easy and it's possible for us, even in our prayer lives, even in the ways that we pray, for for our to become quite tribal and blinkered, where we pray only for those who are close to us, where we pray for those who are like us, where we pray for those people that we like, where we don't actually allow ourselves to be aware of other things that are going on and to, to bring them in prayer. It's possible that we can do that. But actually, that what Paul is saying here is we need to pray for all people. We can't allow ourselves to become tribal or blinkered within that. And then he specifically calls out we're to pray for kings and all in high positions, those who have responsibility and authority, those who have been placed in those places to to look after us and to to lead us and to care 
for us. That would include the government on a national and a local level. And sometimes that can be hard to do. That can be hard to do. And I'm going to come back to that in a little while. But ultimately, what Paul is saying here is through prayer, when we're praying for all people, when we're praying for kings and all in high positions, we are seeking the welfare of the nation. We are not indifferent or closed off from the world around us. We are engaged in the, in, in the nation that God has called us to. One of the, well, I'm talking about these parallels that we see with, with Jeremiah. Do you remember in Jeremiah, he was saying that in seeking the welfare of the city, you find your welfare in that? I think we see something similar in here. Because when Paul says, when we pray in this way, we pray in this way in order that we may live a peaceful and quiet life that is godly and dignified in every way. You see, when we pray, what are we doing? When we pray, are we we not asking for God's kingdom to come? Are we not asking for his will to be expressed and worked out? Are we not asking for action and change that reflects the heart of the Father? Are we not praying for justice to come? for the writing of wrongs. So when we're praying in that way, if you like the, that, that, that amazing consequence of that, as God answers these prayers, it has an impact on our lives too. We're called to love our neighbour, aren't we? We're called to love our neighbour. One of the ways, one of the very best ways in which we can love our neighbour, and when we're thinking about this on a local level or a national level or international level, one of the best ways in which we can love our neighbour is to pray for them. So we're seeking to love our neighbour, and then there are these consequences for us. Uh, And it's not that prayer is self-seeking, but actually as we love our neighbour through prayer, it's also a way of loving ourselves because we're praying these things for ourselves too. And that's a good thing for us to do. There is blessing for us in it as we seek God to move in our nation. Now, one of the things, uh, going back to the podcast, this podcast, I think, has been brilliant. Like I said at the start, if you've not had a chance to listen to it, do it. It is really excellent. I think the idea that Lou and Faye had just to be able to help us through this month of prayer with having these conversations with that, that the title is Help Us to Pray. It's like, how do we as brothers and sisters help one another in, in prayer, realising that we all have struggles, but maybe we have things that we can add to help. Uh, I think it, it's been absolutely brilliant. I've loved it. And I feel like, I feel like it's not eavesdropping because eavesdropping is just rude, isn't it? You wouldn't do that. This is more, this podcast is more of a, it's an invitation into a conversation that is going on. And I, I think it's brilliant. I feel a little bit cheeky, like I'm just sitting in and listening sitting in the room with these people having this chat but being able to to kind of learn from them um but and and they go so quick these comments they go so quick but so it's well worth well worth that's underplaying it listen to them if you haven't there's a lot that i could have included from the last from the first two podcasts i'm not going to because you may as well just listen to what's been shared you should listen to what has been shared but one of the things that really stood out to me in the first week that Lou and Faye were talking about. And this, I think the question was something on the lines. Lou asked Faye, how do you pray for things that we don't immediately connect with? How do we pray for things that might feel distant or aren't as relatable to us? I don't know about you, but sometimes I can find that there are things that would dominate the front, not just the front page of our newspapers, but would dominate pages and pages of our newspapers. But if that were to happen in a different place, far from me, it might not even register with me. 
in the same way that it does for something that is closer to home, for something that I can connect with immediately. And we can find that there's sometimes this disconnect then in terms of how do we pray for things that feel far off that we can't relate to. There's a lot that could be said on this, but one of the things that I thought, Faye's answer was so helpful. She said, realizing that these are people like us, of putting ourselves in the, in, in the shoes of the people who find themselves in these situations. And I thought that was so helpful. You know, Jesus tells us to love your neighbor as yourself, to love people as you would want to be loved. He also says that we're to do unto others as we would want others to do unto you. How we treat others very much should relate to how we would want people to relate to us. So surely when it comes to prayer, that's a really helpful approach for us to take as well. If you were in that situation, how would you want someone to be praying for you? If you were in that situation, how would you feel? These are real people in real situations. Mike's already mentioned, you know, this week we heard the news about Prince Philip passing. And there's maybe in that moment, if we're thinking, I want to pray into it, but I don't know what to pray. For me, the first thing that kind of came on my heart was I wanted to pray for the Queen. Not as the Queen, not because of her position or her role or her responsibility, but first and foremost, as a woman who has lost her husband and is grieving for her husband. And in that way, I knew in that moment, there's probably more ways I could have prayed. But for me, that was the way that I prayed. Because I thought, I could, I thought how must she be feeling at this moment? And that was, that was the approach that I took to prayer in that moment. But just, just one of the things that stuck out for me. Something else for us to consider as well is sometimes, particularly in situations that we don't know that much about or are trying to, I don't know how to pray in, into this. And we can pray prayers that are fairly broad and blanket prayers. And they're good things in and of themselves. We can, we can pray for God to, to move and we can pray for God to bless a situation or to bless people. But there is something about being specific in our prayers as well that is really, really helpful and really healthy. What that means, though, is that we need to be those who need to find out what we can about what is going on in our nation. If we want to know how to pray for the government and for our politicians, find out what you can about what is going on. Find out what is going on in certain individuals' lives. Keep in touch with the news. Don't be passive. There is a place for praying God's blessing and, and for God to move, absolutely. But I think we also need to be thinking about, are there specifics that we can really be praying into here as well? So what do we pray? What do we pray? We had our, one of our Wednesday afternoon prayer times a little while ago. We actually based it within those verses from Jeremiah about seeking the welfare of our city. And we spent the first part of it just saying, uh, what does it look like to seek the welfare of Fabersham? What are the things that we could pray for? And we shared some ideas and then we spent some time praying into it. That was a really healthy time of prayer, I felt. And I think that's a great way to do it. What does it look like for us to pray for the welfare of our, of our city, of our nation? I think that could be something good for growth groups to do even, to think about what does that look like? Not just for this week, but to carry forward something to do frequently as well. But here are some suggestions of what we can pray, particularly for this week. I'm going to send the list out, so don't feel like you need to get all of this noted down. But here are some thoughts. We can pray for the government, for those on both sides of the chamber. Say, I mentioned, we can maybe find this hard, particularly when we struggle with the, some of the, the ways in which the country is led, some of the things that politicians are doing, 
we will find ourselves more aligned with one party than another and we can find it hard to pray for, for both sides uh, but actually when we do that we're not in we, we're not endorsing people that we would disagree with but actually we're submitting ourselves to what god has called us to do and that's really important that we do that god has called us to do this it's important to him and so it's important to us and actually when i was thinking about this i kind of feel like surely it's the people that i would have more disagreement with and struggle with more that i i need to pray for them more <laughs> it's good for me to do that because it changes my heart uh, but it, it's a it's a good thing to do we pray for local government we'll pray for schools we can pray for the health service for emergency services for the arts you know not that the arts is, a, is a, a sector that's been hit massively through lockdown and the pandemic so we can pray for its restoration and revival but also recognizing the really important role that the arts play in culture and society and in within our nation we can pray for businesses both small and large we pray for mental health across all ages we pray into COVID-19 and the easing of restrictions we pray for the church, for her prophetic voice and loving hands to flourish on both, on both national and local levels. There are so many ways in which we can pray for our nation. So I want to finish with this. Never lose sight of the ultimate good that our city, our nation and the nations need more than any other. The ultimate good that they need more than any other is this, is for Jesus to be made known and people to be saved. We will seek the welfare in all the other things, in health and safety and peace and freedom and prosperity. But above all else, Jesus made known and people saved. One of the reasons I want to say that is this, is when we give ourselves to prayer in this way, but not just in that. I want to say let's live in such a way that people will want to meet our king. We're saying that we are citizens of a different kingdom. Then let's live in such a way where people will want to meet our king. One of the ways in which we do that is through seeking the welfare of the places where God has called us to. So let's give it a go this week. Let's put it straight into practice. Let's seek the welfare of our nation, first of all, by offering all sorts of prayers for all sorts of people. Will you join me within that? Uh, again, not just this week, but I think it's so helpful just to just to start to put these things into practice. I don't know about you, if we, we, there's, in, within our month of prayer, we're looking at teaching, we've got the podcast, we've got focuses for each week. It's sort of like we've thrown you in the deep end and we've, actually, I think a better way of putting it is we're immersing ourselves within this culture of prayer that we're seeking God to grow us in and, and we're looking for him to mature us uh, in as well. So let's give ourselves to that. We're going to come and sing a song now by way of reflection.